Today's episode of the BS Podcast is brought to you by SeatGeek. That's our presenting sponsor. That's the only fan-friendly app for buying and selling tickets for sports and music. Here's your present to me for 2017. Go to SeatGeek. Download their ticket app. Do get something from SeatGeek. Do it for me. There's basketball. There's hockey. There's all kinds of stuff coming up. Spring training, baseball, music, whatever you want. Download the free SeatGeek app or go to SeatGeek.com. We're also brought to you by Stamps.com, our old buddy. Avoid the post office after the holidays as you're mailing back gifts. Buy and print official U.S. postage with your own computer and printer. Sign up for Stamps.com. Use promo code BS for a four-week trial plus a $110 bonus offer. That includes postage and a digital scale. Click on the microphone at the top of the Stamps.com homepage. Type in BS. Don't forget about the Ringers Podcast Network. If you love The Bachelor, we put up an episode of The Bachelor Party. It's Bachelor Tate, is it called Bachelor Party or The B- Bachelor Party? Bachelor Party. Bachelor Party, hosted by Juliet Lippman. Her first guest, breaking down the first episode, my wife, the sports gal. Oh, yeah. She's pretty good, too. I was proud of her that she didn't get me fired. Uh, and also, we have on Channel 33 the Sports Movie Hall of Fame, which is has two so far, Jerry Maguire and Moneyball, hosted by myself and Chris Ryan. And we have another one coming, I think, next Wednesday, which I'm excited about. So Channel 33, subscribe to that feed. And don't forget to check out TheRinger.com, not just for all our great content. We have a ton of great NFL stuff this week and some good NBA stuff, too. Kevin O'Connor went down to the Rockets and went down to Houston, broke down the Rockets offense. I wrote a column that went up today, Friday, about the round one quarterbacks as well as some gambling picks. An old school NFL playoffs calm. I'm back for these four NFL playoff Fridays. Got my got my gambling mojo back. 29-9-2 the last eight weeks of the super contest. Hoping it rolls over into the playoffs. I love round one. I love these Friday podcasts before round one. Mike Lombardi, Joe House, Mallory Rubin all coming up. Let's go. That's Pearl Jam, by the way. Check out PearlJam.com. PJ25. It's happening. The big anniversary. It's happening. It's coming. Go there to the website, PJ25. Mike Lombardi on the line right now from from uh, FS1, from Fox on Sundays, and, uh, and a lover of good and bad quarterback play. Have you ever seen anything like this Osweiler-Connor Cook playoff matchup? This is inconceivable. It's so good. It's so exciting. But, you know, I think we learn a lot, the coaches. I mean, look, I I think this is the time of the year where coaching really matters. And how you set up the game plan and how you execute the game plan is so critical come playoff time. And and I think that this is a great opportunity for uh, Bill O'Brien, for Jack Del Rio to kind of script the way they need to play the game to win and and understanding that everybody's going to focus on the inability of the quarterback but there are other parts to the team that they can be successful within, and they've got to find a way to utilize those. So the Raiders are getting four points. I made my picks in the comp today. You I know, saw it. So you have two bad quarterbacks, although we don't know about Connor Cook. He might end up being like a C-. minus. We know Osweiler's bad. But I like to look at the other stuff with this, especially in playoff games. One of the things that everybody underrates in the playoffs is special teams. Houston has the worst special right. teams in the league. They were 32nd right. in DVOA. The Raiders have a good special teams. They, they have an above-average kicker and a great punter. 
They have some skill position guys. They have a better coach, in my opinion. I think Jack Del Rio and his staff did a really good job this year. And it seems like the one hole they have is pass defense. But that's a great hole to have against this Houston team. They're actually good against the run. I was confused by this line. I know home field advantage counts for something. But when you have a home field advantage where where the crowd really doesn't like its quarterback and is ready to start griping and grumbling as soon as the game gets going, how is that a home field advantage? Well, I think that we sometimes confuse home field advantages for, you know, like home field is an advantage. It doesn't guarantee you're going to win. You know, there's an advantage to it. And certainly, you know, it helps to sleep in your own bed and kind of keep your routine the same. But at the end of the day, it's going to come down to what team's the better team and what team has the ability to make the plays. And we know this is not going to be a game that features a lot of dazzling plays. I don't think it's going to be the Penn State Penn State USC game going down to the final minutes 52-49 right. but I do think it's going to be a game where the chess is going to involve field position it's going to involve when to take your chances and it's going to involve what defense can make the plays to create the offense on the shorter field that's what you have to look at and if and if you see this if Donald Penn doesn't play perhaps then then Clowney has a huge advantage and it's going to create some issues for the 49ers offense but what I don't understand about about the Raider offense, what I don't understand about the Raiders is, look, they have three guys in the Pro Bowl from their offensive line. They have a back that can run the ball. I mean, there's enough of a formula here, and I'm not dismissing Connor Cook's inability, but there's enough of a formula here to get this into 13 or 17 points, which is all you're probably going to need to win the game. Right, and if you have a special teams play, same thing. All right, this is a very important question. Belichick's coaching the Raiders. Going into this game, what does he do? Well, he's going to force them to. He's going to do exactly what he did against them. He's going to play a lot of a lot of cover two to force them to run the ball, try to get them to run the ball and play the run with a six man front. Or he's going to put eight down there and, and play cover three and force Osweiler to throw the ball outside the numbers. And I think he's going to. You got to double Hopkins, take him away from the game, and force the ball somewhere else. Force the impatience, and then pressure the offensive line. Rush five. You know, when you have an offensive line that struggles to block. You can't just let three rushers. You've got to bring five. Make all those linemen block on island. And I think the key to this game is going to be on first down. Is you've got to be able to win first down. And you have to be able to get Osweiler or Connor Cook in the hole on first down. I mean, that's going to be the key to the game. And Houston's a good defense. They're eighth in the league on, on opponent first down. The Raiders are not as good there in that area. But, you know, they, they, can, they can put more pressure because you can take more risk. And so I think that, you know, Oakland's 14th in that area. So to me, it's all first down. Who can create the negative play early downs? And then because, look, both coaches are not going to try to take chances. Both coaches don't want to lose the game. So this is going to be a punting contest. See, I would go the other way. If I'm Houston and I'm going to have so much trouble scoring in this game just because I I just think Osweiler's going to be a shell of himself. How many times has a guy got booed off the field and benched and then got sucked back within a four-week span and actually had what, – what is he going to all of a sudden be good? He's going to be motivated? Like, I, I don't see it. If I'm Houston, I'm I'm throwing the kitchen sink. I'm doing double reverses, and I have Hopkins throwing passes and fake punts, and I, I think that's the only way they're going to ha- they're going to be able to score points. But I think they're going to do what you just laid out. I think they're going to go super conservative – and I, I don't think – I just think the Raiders are better. I think they have a better all-around team. So I, I don't get that I mean, line. Let's, let's face it, though. The Raiders, they lost to the Raiders. They put 20 on the Raiders with Osweiler. Okay, the Raiders scored 27. So let's just say you're Billy O'Brien, okay? 
and you had chances in that game in Mexico City. Yeah. And you held the Raiders with the high-power offense, 27 points. They scored late to win the game, okay? You're saying to yourself, look, Brock, if you just play the same way you played there, give us the, give us 20 points. You're home. It's, it, you, we can control the crowd. We control the pass rush with the crowd noise. You just give us that game. We'll win this game. I mean, I, I get the other sense. I think that now that they know they have to go to Osweiler, I think they can sell the story, the narrative of, look, you did a hell of a job for us. We were really close. We were close to winning that game. All you got to do is come in here and show us that you could do it like you did the week, like when we played them, you put 20 on the board, and we'll see how it goes. Hey, Mike, this is a I mean, guy no, This is a guy that you compared his contract to the Lufthansa heist in, the, in Goodfellas. Right. I just and want to point no that doubt, out. It's no doubt. No, I'm, I'm glad you did. There's no doubt I compare it to the Latanz Ice. I think it's one of the best nicknames you could ever give anyone. Yeah. However, that being said, we're trying to manage this game. And I think if you look at this game, I think you could see that, look, you know, you know, the last time he played them, he, he was 66%. He was 26 for 39. He threw a touchdown. He threw an interception. But, I mean, he had one of his better days. All right, I mean, but, that was, over but that yards. was on the road, though. He's only thrown four picks on the road the whole year. He's 12 at home. And that was before he got booed off the field. I just think he's going to go to bed tonight with the deer in the headlights look. He's probably going to sleep two hours, and he's going to go into this game thinking, the first time I throw a bad pass, they're going to be on me. I, I oh, think it's no insurmountable. Um, can, uh, we well, about, I, I, can we talk about – Can we talk about – I mean, if Connor Cook is just completely atrocious tomorrow, that's probably Houston's best chance. They need Connor Cook to be yeah, horrible. And, and I think Connor Cook's not – I don't think Connor Cook's ready for showtime. I think this defense is going to be tough for Connor Cook to go against. I agree. They can rush the pass. They're very good. I think they'll control the game. I like Houston in the game. I think Houston's the the, the better team because I I think the 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 Raiders haven't figured out that you know I know they lost their best player. There's no doubt, but they, there's other ways to win the game, and I'm not sure the Raiders have figured out how to do that. Kevin Clark asked me this when we were watching football last weekend. Can you remember a more devastating injury late in the season than Carr going out? I mean, they had a legitimate chance to make the Super Bowl. And he was so important to what they did. And they really don't have a plan B. I, I mean, we've seen injuries like Brady got hurt in week one, 2008. The Patriots were the best team that year. I don't ever remember like a December injury crippling a team like this. Do you? No, it's really, you know, it's one of those where and usually when it happens, the team falls off the map. But this happened so late in the season that they were already they were already in. And I mean, yeah. look. The injury, the injury gave the Patriots the opportunity to only have to beat Pittsburgh or Kansas City, and not both of them. Can we I mean, agree this is? That. Can we agree this is a stay away for gambling purposes? Don't bet on this game. The, so just stay the, away. The, the, stay I away, don't America. See how you could, I don't know how you really could because you're dealing with the unknown, and whenever you're dealing with the unknown, it's not a good thing. Well, here's something we know, and I, I want to skip over this game because I think Detroit's terrible. But I'm not a huge fan of the Seattle team. But Detroit is just such a great matchup for them in round one. They can't run the ball. I'm, I don't trust Zach Center. They don't really, they're not going to be able to really pressure Wilson, which is, I think, how you have to beat Seattle. Seattle's in Seattle. I, I, I wrote in my column that I thought every year in round one, there's one team that does really well and everybody gets all excited about, oh, oh, here they come, Bobo, and then they lose the next round. This feels like the spot for Seattle. Do you agree or disagree? I think Seattle's a much better team. I think Seattle hasn't proven they're a much better team in the last month. I keep waiting for them to play better. 
but I, I, I just think Detroit's run out of gas. I think yeah. Detroit's run out of smoke and mirrors. They've won too many close games. They've been able to win late, and I just don't see enough. Like they can manage, the, like they did the, the they did the Cowboy game, like they did the Green Bay game. They can keep it close, but they're a 50, 50, 52, 53 minute team. They can't finish. And I think the pressure, the speed. I think I think when you're in shotgun as much as they are, yeah. and you're playing against the team like Seattle in crowd noise, which is really going to be hard. I think it's going to be a real challenge for them. I, I think Seattle's the much better team here, even though they haven't played like it. I'm I'm going off of past performance in terms of past years, not the past couple of weeks, because they played poorly against the 49ers. They played poorly against Arizona. Yep. They haven't really played. I keep waiting for them to turn it on, but they haven't. But I, this is a game where I do think that Detroit just isn't quite – they don't have enough, and they, they, they show it every week that they don't have enough. And some of those 53-minute games that they should have lost, they somehow found a way to win, and we kind of convinced ourselves that they can't. The Dallas game was eye-opening because – they had guys open all over the field for four quarters. They were basically doing whatever they want in that game. I think they finished with 42 points, but it easily could have been 60. I don't trust well, the Seattle Dallas team. Well, Dallas could block them. Yep. Dallas could block them. And look, they're playing. They didn't have Slay in that game, so they don't really have a corner. But even if Slay's on the field, there's, there's matchups that don't favor them. Yeah. And I think Terrell Austin has done a marvelous job defensively. I think he deserves to be a, a head coaching consideration because he's done a good job. But I just there's just not enough. Like I think they're farther. They're they're they've outgained themselves. They, they they're over their heads in this area. And look, that down the stretch they just couldn't close it out. I mean, you know, you got a home game against Green Bay, you got to close it out. They couldn't do it. They're just not good enough right now. Their offensive line is not good enough in the run blocking game. They don't have a running back. Uh, you know, the only runs they get is nickel runs. I mean, people just line up and say, we're going to play nickel against you, and we dare you to run the ball. And that right. doesn't work in the playoffs. If you're Atlanta, you're you're dying for Detroit to somehow to somehow lose this game so you can play Seattle in round two and you don't have to deal with the Giants or Green Bay. If I'm Atlanta, I want yeah, to I play Seattle. Atlanta, I, I, I think, you know, I think Atlanta probably doesn't want to have to play. Atlanta knows they have to win with their offense, and they can win with their offense. So yeah. they, they would want to eliminate the worst defense, so right. the best defense. So if they eliminate the Giants, that would be great for them because that's one defense that, that's a really good defense. But you right. know, Seattle – Playing Seattle at home, I mean, they the matchup that Atlanta needs is a, a really an average defense and, a, and an average offense, which so, Seattle has played average in both areas. Right, and they have a, a QB who can occasionally be great, and that's the that's the fear with them. And they have a good coach, and they've you know they're they're the definition of playoff tested. I think Wilson's played ten playoff games in in four years. This is going to be his eleventh. I think that. Uh, the road for Atlanta, the best thing that could happen to them is if the Giants beat Green Bay and go into Dallas and beat Dallas. Seattle comes to Atlanta. Atlanta takes care of business with them. And then all of a sudden you have maybe Atlanta, maybe the Giants come into Atlanta in round three. And I don't think the Giants can score points with Atlanta. I like their defense, but, you know, I I, mean, that would Giants be the best case been, scenario. Look, the Giants have had, have had uh, you know, they're 7-2 and two in the last nine games, okay? Mm -hmm. And but when you really break down their schedule, when they've scored, oh, they only scored 19 points. Okay, when they scored 20 or under, they're two and they're two and seven when they score under 19 points. Yeah. So I mean, they're five and four. They're five and four in games of under 19. They're two and seven on the road in those games. Hold on, before we get into that, uh, let's talk quickly about Miller Lite. It's brewed to be the 
best light beer with more taste, less calories, half the carbs. So that on any given Sunday or Saturday, because we have four football games this week, you don't have to settle for any given light beer. Great tasting. 96 calories. Miller Lite. Spelled different because it's brewed different. Bonus points here because of all the beers I've had in my life, I I would say Miller Lite probably somewhere between 50 to 60% of the entire number of beers I've had in my life was always my go-to for years and years and years, back when I was a fun human being. Miller Lite, spelled different because it's brewed different. All right, back to Lombardi. You and I are connoisseurs of running backs, unknown running backs, that we watch them have three carries and we immediately decide they're good and we like them. By the way, I like the guy on, uh, I meant to tell you this, the guy in Miami, Kenyon Drake. I think yeah, he's good. Kenyon I think Drake's he's like really, the eleventh best a, running back in football. Well, he's really a kind of a multi-purpose guy. He could do so many different things that he kind of like he, when he's in the game, you know, it's a nickel space type play. Yeah, and he's very good at that. I like him, but you know, and the reason I bring this up is I, Perkins is growing on me. I, I think he's. I think, I, I think he's not bad. Player. But remember. But remember, everybody plays nickel against the Giants. Nobody ever thinks they're ever – they're always in a nickel defense. So nickel runs can be illusional you, you, because when you have to throw the ball or, you know, when you line up in a six-man box, you're a, you're a player short. So there's going to be some – if you don't keep your gap integrity, there's going to be some runs that you get, not because you're good at running the football, just because the defense didn't do their job. I so love, it's a little misleading, but I think Perkins is a good player. I see, like Perkins coming out in the draft. I thought he was a good player. And he's young too. I think he's like I think he wasn't he the youngest running back in that draft? Something yeah, like that. Yeah, he was one of the yeah. Because they, they were trying to get him going. I actually picked him up on my fantasy team, so I was watching a little more carefully in October, November. They were trying to get him going, but their line was doing such a poor job of run blocking that every time he got the ball, he was just tackled. And then it seemed like as the year went along, they kind of figured out how to put him in positions to at least have some space. And he was good in Week 17. I thought he played well in the Redskins game. Uh, I like the Giants in Lambeau. I like this Giants team. I, I think I don't think they're built to beat every team in the league, but how with how good their defense has been, especially like the, all the defensive backs they have and how well all those guys are playing, isn't this kind of the perfect team to go into Lambeau and beat the Packers? You know, it, it it does. I mean, the only thing I would say is, you know, it's gonna it's it's gonna be a bad weather game. Okay, it's gonna be below. You know, it's gonna be in the in the, the low teens. But that's good so for them, right? The, Isn't that good for them? Well, you would think so. I mean, well, I mean, you're gonna have to throw the football. Eli in the last twenty five twenty five games below forty degrees is thirty four and thirty one. You know, and he averages six point nine yards per attempt. I mean, he's thirty four touchdowns, thirty one interceptions. I mean, he's right. He it isn't like he's going to just all of a sudden turn this on. He's fumbled six times in this weather t- twice this year. Yeah. So ball security is going to be critical for them. And and my point is on the road this year when that when and this is going to be a low scoring game and this is what the Giants need. And so if it plays to that low scoring game, which is what I think it will be, the Giants, the two teams that when they've scored less than nineteen points. 19 or less, they've won two games. They beat Philly on the road at, with 19 points. I mean, they beat uh, the Rams on the road at 17 points, and they beat uh, and they beat uh, da- they beat Dallas at 20. So they really they don't they don't score a lot on the road against these teams. Didn't they? That, the mean, Dallas really, one was like 10-7. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, right? they beat they beat Washington and the Rams on the road. But they under beat, 19 points. Right, and then they had that weird 10-7 game against Dallas, whatever that final score was. I was impressed right, by that them. That was at home, though. 
That right. was at home. I mean, they're really good at low-scoring games. I mean, when you look at it, they they are. Well, let's see here. They're five. They're five and four. And, and under when they score nineteen or less, they're five and four. Their they're dream two and seven on the road. It, their dream game is sixteen to thirteen, and the one touchdown exactly. they get is Odell catches an eight-yard slant and goes for seventy-eight yards it's a for a touchdown. Game, right? Yeah, which is they're kind of built for that. And I and I actually think right, but, I like Harris, their special teams guy. I think he can make a play. And, He's uh, really good, and and he can change the course of the game. But look, the last time they played the Packers, and this was a long, long time ago. This is way back in, in, uh, oh, I want to say maybe early mid September. Yeah, it was like October, right? Early in October. Yeah. I mean, the, the Packers blocked them really well. I mean, Janoris Jenkins was sensational. He had two interceptions, but Rodgers moved around the pocket. This was the game that McAdoo should have challenged that ruling that was a catch that really wasn't a catch. Yeah. Remember this game? I do. And and it was and it was a catch, but they ruled it a catch, and then a fumble, and they gave the ball to the Packers, which then made McAdoo have to use his timeout. I mean, this is the kind of game we're looking at. This is the kind of game that's coming down the road, you do know. You... And so, I, I I don't know. I to me, I think you know everybody keeps saying Eli's going to turn it on. I just don't see it. I haven't seen it yet all year. I think the Giants' defense certainly will present problems for the Packers. But the Packers, with Jared Cook, they didn't have him in the last game, are a different team because they can move. And, look, the reality of this is Rodgers' movement in the pocket gets guys open. That's what he does. You know I agree with you about Eli, and I think he could single-handedly ruin this this Packers game. But I will say, like, this is what they've had all year, and they've figured out how to make it work. I was really impressed that they won that Washington game and that they played so hard. And I don't know, it just seems like a really confident team. I love their secondary. I thought Eli Apple, would you if you do the draft over again, what does he go, third? They picked him, I think, 10th. He's, he's one of the top three picks, he, right? Yeah, no, he's really a good Look, they're good on defense. And, I mean, the surprising thing when you go back and study the tape when they played the Packers – the first time the Packers blocked their front, which a lot of people haven't been able to do. The Packers yep. pass protected pretty well in that game. Lacey had a big run; he had 31 yards. But I mean, that's a long time ago. But I think with you know in in this cheesecake bowl, which let's be real honest, this is two of the cheesecake factory offenses going against <laughs> each other. Which I, I I still think there should be a logo at midfield with the cheesecake factory yeah, on it. I love it. That kid, that kid that was at the Redskin game is my hero. Uh, he's my absolute hero. Did you see him, Bill? He was dressed up as McAdoo with the. Menu. It was I loved so it. good. I loved it. And so, but I mean, like, look, to me, this is, I think these games with the manifest, it comes down to what quarterback can make enough plays. And can Eli make enough plays? And if there's wind in this game, I would be real reluctant. I, 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 I don't know what the spread is in the game. I think, I think it'll be a one point game. I really do. It's four and a half. So I think that's, I mean, it's a I, lot of points for the four and a half favorite. Yeah, Packers are four yeah, and a half favorites. I, yeah. You know, I will say McAdoo, who I thought was pretty bad the first six weeks, and we we definitely had some fun at his expense. But there's an aggressiveness with the team. I, I wouldn't you say he's one of the most? He's definitely one of the most aggressive playoff coaches that we have this year. I think they're oh, going to do a couple. They're going to do a couple things to try to create points that are out of the box, and I don't know what those things are. But they're going to happen. Like they're not just going to rely on Eli to score in this game. There's going to be a couple other wrinkles that I don't know what those are. But I, I see him bringing the kitchen sink out, and it might backfire on him. But you know, I think they're going to be super aggressive and ready to try to steal this game. They're not just going to sit back and 
hope it's 16-13 and they can win it. Like, I think they're going to try to make some plays. Um, well, they're going to have to because in nine games this year, Eli hasn't converted more than four third downs. He's, I mean, but, so, you know, it's like, it's that Manny thing, you, though, you, man. You, he he throws the three picks that get dropped. this ghost. I mean, every the most the most third downs he converted all season was ten against Philly in, in, in that right. last in the Philly game on the road. I mean, he's had seven, seven, six, six, five, five, and then everything else has been four or less. I mean, I don't know how you if you can't convert third downs in the playoffs. I just think it's hard. And and McAdoo, it's not in his nature. It's really not in his look. McAdoo is a disciple of McCarthy. So you got to go back and look at what McCarthy does playoff time, and it's not in McCarthy's nature to really, I don't think it's to be that overtly aggressive in terms of taking chances. Now, I do think he'll take chances on fourth down. I mean, he went for it nine times this year on fourth down. He's 9 of 19 on fourth down. Yeah. So I do think he'll do that. But, you know, I mean, I think he's worried, having coached Aaron Rodgers, I would think he's worried about giving a short field to Rodgers and maybe having just win with his defense. He should let his defense just try to win the game. Which, yeah. But, I mean, I think there's going to be – one fourth down in this game that they go for it. I also, I have a hot take. Look, everything about the playoffs, and I don't know if you have it in the manifesto, but just let me say this very clearly. Playoffs are about third and short. Who converts third and short keeps the ball. Playoffs are about third and short, and playoffs are about red zone third downs. Those two things are the most important fact. Like, when you get a third and one and you don't convert it, you have to convert third and ones. Like, when you're a coach and you're getting ready to playoff time, You've got to have an extensive library of third and short plays, and they can't be trickle plays. They've got to be, we can run these things. And then you've got to have a really good red zone offense where you can get the ball in the red zone. And those are the two areas that I don't see the Giants excelling at. Now, can they win with defense? Yeah. Can Rodgers turn the ball over? Yes, he makes mistakes. But they're playing differently than they did when they were on that win- losing streak. I mean, Cook comes in and makes some plays, and Rodgers' movement and Montgomery in the backfield, it creates some situations where – if they get the lead like Philadelphia did, it's going to be harder for the Giants. Well, here's my hot take. Montgomery has never he's been a running back for like 3 months. It's the playoffs, it's cold, it's a great defense. He's putting the ball on the ground one time in this game. You know, it was cold. I'm putting in that Chicago. out there right now. It was cold as could be in Chicago and he had a really good game. The, it yeah, but it was, against, it was against the Bears. The Giants are going to well, be going for saying, that ball you know, every I time mean, he has it. Oh, I don't think there's any doubt about it, but I, I just think that, you know, I, I think that he's got enough. He, you got to worry about him because he makes one guy miss and it's over. And you better have your run defense really, really good. And, you know, and I think that, like, you know, I think that that's going to be the critical component of the game. All right, get I ready really for your Twitter replies. That, when he puts the ball on the ground, people tweeting at you, Simmons told you, you didn't believe I, him. I, it's going to happen. I'm sure it could happen. Ball's sure going on could. the ground. Look, it won't be the last time they mock me. It won't be the last time, but it, look. <laughs> I don't think you go into it think I just think the kid can, you know, he's he's really good with the ball in his hands. He, you know, the one thing you always like when you're scouting wide receivers is if they had a running back background because that means they're good with the ball in their hands. Right. Most great receivers have had been running backs, and I think that this kid has a chance. Look, I think that the, the Packers, I've, I've said it all season, I think Aaron Rodgers is one of the best players, and they've done a bad job of, of building a team around him. But with And, and to me, Cook playing so well, and getting some other production out of Montgomery proves my point that if they would just give enough players to this team and diversify their portfolio, I think they could be much better. I like Montgomery too. I just think it's a big spot for him. This is 
this is not, we are now in the playoffs and he's going against the best defense in the playoffs and they're going to be targeting him and trying to get the ball. Last thing we got to talk about, because I know we disagree on this because you like Pittsburgh more than I do. That Miami's getting 10 points. Matt Moore, people just think he's a, a conventional lousy backup and he's not. Like he's actually, I would say one of the best backups in the league. He's played really well for the Dolphins for what they thought they were getting from him. This Pittsburgh defense isn't very good. Miami's already beaten them. Why is this line 10 points? Well, because I think when you when when they look at Miami, they say you beat Buffalo twice, you beat the Jets twice, you beat the Rams, the 49ers and the Chargers. There's, you know, there's there's your uh 7 wins, right? So yeah. of this 9 and 2 start and you beat Pittsburgh, so there's your the 9 and 2 one. You've played two teams that have fairly good complete teams, Pittsburgh, uh, Baltimore and and New England and got blown out in both games. So, look, I think there's a formula for Miami to win the game. I think Pittsburgh's defense has played better the last in five of the last seven weeks. They've held the rushers under 100 yards. They've played better run defense. They've turned the ball over 13 times. I mean, they're playing better defense in the last seven games. Last week against Cleveland, they gave up 231 yards rushing, which you throw that out the window. But I, I think Pittsburgh is a team that if you can – Win third downs because it's going to be a lot of third downs because they're going to you're going to take the profits and move the ball. There's some really talented skill players on Miami and they're hard to yeah. tackle. Landry, like, you play Miami, you you have to tackle the talent, and whether it's Stills, Landry, Parker, you got to tackle those guys and they're a problem. And Miami's got to go in there and think control the football. We got to keep it 36, 37 minutes. We have to have an extensive third down. We've got to be able to really execute. We can't have any negative plays. And we got to keep Ben and Le'Veon Bell off the field because they'll run the ball on us. I mean, Pittsburgh will run the ball on Miami. I mean, look what New England did on, on in Miami. They ran the ball on them. And that game, you know, Miami was trying in that game. Eh, I don't know. They, 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 the game meant nothing to them. I still think, yeah, you're trying. But the Giants-Redskins was different because the Giants hate the Redskins so much. That was clearly like there's some animosity with that game. I think with the Dolphins, they were kind of like, oh, let's see if we can win this. Oh, we can't. All right. I, I totally agree with you on their skill position, guys. I think Landry is one of my four favorite receivers in the whole league and somebody that in a playoff game I think could go to another level. I just think he's got a little it factor. And Parker is one of those guys. It almost looks like Terrell Owens when, he, when he's running around, just guys bouncing off him. I like him. Kenny Stills has been catching touchdowns. Ajay is good. I think... What's crazy about this game to me, and I Pittsburgh will probably win, and I think it's going to be closer than people think, but I think Miami does have a chance to win the game. I don't think Detroit has a chance in Seattle. Like I, I think they have zero chance. I, but I think Miami I think has a chance. A formula, I think there's a formula for Miami to win. I think there's a formula for Oakland to win. I think there's a formula for Houston to win. I'm not sure I have a formula for Detroit to win. I think there's a formula for the Giants to win and the Packers. So, like, when I look at these games, I see, the like, to me, Miami, I'm milking the clock. I'm going in there. We're going to run the football. We're going to keep Ben. The best defense is to keep Ben. Not that we can't play defense against them, but I want to limit my exposure. we got to take the, we got to protect the ball. we got to play field position with them, make Ben play on a long field, and play our best run defense of the season, which Miami typically hasn't been able to do. I mean, last week we saw it, but... To me, there's a formula here, and and I agree. I mean, Matt Moore can make enough short throws and catches because this is going to be a zone game by Pittsburgh. They're not going to want to play man-to-man. They don't have the corners to cover against these receivers, but you're going to have to handle the elements, and you're going to have to handle the, the, the crowd noise, and you've got to play for 60 minutes. 
I don't know if Miami can do it, but I think Miami. I think it's a closer game than ten points. I don't think there's any doubt about that. I think that Mitchell guy on steel on the Steelers, who's a headhunter slash knee hunter in the TJ Ward mold, is going to be going into this game saying, "I'm taking out Landry or Parker. I'm taking out." If those guys come you know, over Landry's the middle, I'm coming guys, at them. You can you can you can say you're going to take them out, but Landry's one of those guys. I've seen more 260 pound linebackers bounce off him than anything. He is, that he is. He's a hard guy to tackle. He is really for a guy that doesn't have blazing speed. He plays. He's in his pads. He plays to the same level that he always had. Kevin Clark and wrote so, a great piece about him in the Ringer this week about, and one of the things is he's the best blocker out of all the receivers. He just wipes out dudes, and is a big first blood John Rambo fan. But I, I just I have high hopes for him in this playoffs. Hey, let me ask you, would you would you sign Matt Moore as your starting QB? I think Matt. Look, when you sign a starting QB, you're saying 16 games and more. I think Matt Moore's a really good relief pitcher. I think he's a middle reliever. Okay. I think five games is what he is, and if you you know you need him to come in there, and I think you pay him for that. But I don't think he's I don't think he's going to play 16 and and hold up. I think that's the problem when you look at a lot of these guys. Like uh, Cody Kessler at Cleveland. I mean, you know, they can like play good for a game, but there's they don't have the body to last sixty. It's hard to play in the NFL sixteen games, sixty minutes, and get the crap beat out of you. Would you rather? Would you rather trade a first round pick for Sam Bradford or a third round pick for Matt Moore? I I, I would rather trade the first round pick for Matt. Oh for, my for, God, for Lombardi! Jesus, get, this is terrible. At least I get. Matt Moore to me is is a good player. Look, God. I'd rather draft Dak Prescott or somebody else. But oh my I, God. I, I just think to me, to me, Matt Moore's a look. I think you're falling in love with the other players around Matt Moore. He's making them look good. You know what I'm not I mean, falling in love with? I mean, Sam Bradford. Well, well, what what is look, it about these football executives? Football executives, something about Sam Bradford. He's like the cute girl at the bar who winks at them once and they can't handle themselves. Sam Bradford's mediocre. So is Matt Moore. But Matt Moore, well, Sam you Brad, can get... look, I, I give Sam Bradford credit this year. He stood in there and took a lot of heat, a lot of pressure from a bad offensive line. And does he check the ball down? No doubt. Does he believe percentage of completion is the most important stat in football? No doubt. I, I don't disagree with any of that. But I think in fairness to him is is if give him a chance in the right offense oh and get some God. players around him, especially oh, an no. offensive line. I mean, come on. You can't put it oh all on him. It's like put it all on Aaron Rodgers. Jeez, you've been hanging out with Skip too much. I think. I think. I think you need to hang out with me more. <laughs> <laughs> you need. You need more Simmons time in your life. That's like a Skip yeah, Bayless I, take. I, you tell Skip Bayless that we. I, I need to have an argument with him soon. I'm ready. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to the, go with you, Skip. You know the right guy to call on that. <laughs> say uh, say hi to Chris Carter for us. By the way, I'm glad. I'm glad he's on uh, FS1. I, I always thought he was one of ESPN's best guys. He's got great takes on stuff. He really does. It's really been great, and so it's it's been going well. All right, I will be texting you um, all weekend. All right, great. We'll be going back and forth. I can't wait to text you as soon as Montgomery puts the ball on the ground in that Giants game because oh that's happening, and oh. I can't wait to. I'll be getting texts from you and from Nick Wright on on my podcast about Odell. Once Odell, if Odell catches a hitch for six yards, Nick Wright will be hitting me up with texts saying what a great receiver he is. It's just. Although nobody mentioned that he hasn't hit me up since he's been on the boat down there in Miami, you know. <laughs> I'm gonna. Te- I'm also gonna text you when Mitchell tries to end somebody's career in like the second quarter of that Miami game because that's happening too. Feel free. I'm here. All right, Mike Lombardi. Thanks so much. All thanks, right. Bill. Bye bye. We have the Queen of the Ringer, Mallory Rubin, coming in. But first, I'm always shocked by the string of home invasions. 
right after the holidays. Aren't you, Mallory? Aren't you shocked by that? Stunned. Home invasions. Jesus. They, I mean, that's why they have all these home invasion movies now, because there's a lot of home invasions. Criminals who want to cash in on all the new gifts inside our homes. Don't let your home be blindsided by a break-in. Get protected today with Simply Safe Home Security's biggest New Year's sale ever. $200 off the Defender package at Simply Safe's best-selling security system of 2016. I'm spitting into my microphone. I'm so excited about this. This might be your final chance to get it at such an awesome price. Built by a Harvard-educated engineer. Complete 24-7 protection around the clock monitoring. The minute your home faces danger, you know about it. Simply Safe calls the police. No long-term contract, no hidden fees. Go now to simplysafebs.com to get your $200 off. Get free shipping and a 60-day money-back guarantee when you go right now. The New Year's sale ends very soon. Go to simplysafebs.com. Two eyes and Simply Safe. All right. Mallory Rubens here, Queen of the Ringer. You're, you root for an AFC North team. I do. The Baltimore Ravens. And I jo- do. And Joe Flaccid, who you <laughs> named him a couple weeks ago, and he was as flaccid as you predicted. He sure was. Ben Roethlisberger, somebody you've rooted against for most of your adult life with if a not sincere all passion yeah. yeah um i don't know what to make of him i wrote about him in the ringer today he's one he's definitely he's always been on the list anytime you mention the five six seven best quarterbacks in the league he, he has to be thrown in he right. won the super bowl the arizona super bowl he's got he gets to live on that forever yet his stats aren't that great when you compare him to the other QBs. He's only really had one great season. If you compare him to like the Rodgers, Breeze, Manning, all those things, he's just not there. Um, he's had some bad playoff losses. And he's a little up and down. He he manages to keep all the scenarios into place at all times. Like I like I wrote, like I could see them losing to the Dolphins this week. Right. I could see them winning, winning again and going in and potentially beating New England in round three. Everything's in play. Where do you stand on Ben Roethlisberger? First of all, I know you don't really mean that, and that no, you I don't think, we'd think kill the Pittsburgh. Steelers well, just, can beat the Patriots. Well, and you're just could, saying it. They could outscore us, I guess, is would be my fear that they is, could just put up forty. This is the BS pod equivalent of like an elementary school kid going home, knowing knowing you aced that spelling bee test, but saying, "Dad, I might not have done well. Might have might have screwed up on anti disestablishmentarianism. You know, mm. you just want to prepare everyone for the worst, right? So that when the best happens, it feels like an achievement, even though it was inevitable. I think it's a great game plan by me. Yeah, where do I stand on Roethlisberger? Um, hate him, obviously. As a Ravens fan, he is and my, as a female, and as yeah, and as a woman <laughs> in the world, that's that's definitely true. It's going to be really tough for me to get through the next few minutes here without making a very inappropriate joke that potentially gets me fired. I'm going to try really I hard. I would never fire you. I would fire my family before I fired you. I appreciate that. Tate, still, you know, keep an eye out. Tate's another one who has a job for life. I love Tate. It's true. It's true. Tate, my greatest professional achievement is still hiring Tate as an intern. That's I'll take that to the grave with me. Employee number one at the ringer. We have like 64 people now. It's incredible. Um, Roethlisberger. I think the thing that annoys me most about him, this is a sincere opinion, is that the announcers call him Ben. Like he's their best fucking friend I hate it. in the world. Here's the thing. Annoying regardless. Annoying regardless for, for announcers who are supposed to even just like pretend. Pretend to maintain some semblance of detachment and professionalism. Yeah. At least when they're talking about Rogers and Brady and they're on the brink of having an orgasm on fucking television because they can't contain their glee and ecstasy. They use the full name. Right. Aaron Rodgers. Oh. Tom Brady. Yeah. But with Roethlisberger, it's just Ben. Well, so here, but here's why they do it. And this is what annoys me more. And I've written about this. 
It's because Roethlisberger is multiple syllables and it's a little harder to say, right? Sure. But this is this is the same announcing crew that every time they have a chance to say the NFL, they choose to say the National, National Football, Football League, which has like seven <laughs> syllables. So right. if you're going to say Roethlisberger, then, then say National Football League or say Ben NFL. But you can't do either or. Yeah, don't be selective with the shortcuts. It's just very annoying because like... He might be a bad dude. Who knows? I'm not saying that. He might be. Might or be a bad dude. Maybe he was a bad dude and now he's a better dude. Sure. Sure. <laughs> I guess the football world is all just about second chances. As yeah. Joe Mixon will tell anyone who will fucking listen. Um, second, third chances. Fourth re- chances. Really terrible. Yeah. Really terrible. Uh, in terms of his play this year, it's been... I liked the way that Danny Kelly described it in the piece he wrote today for The Ringer on the 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 Big Ben duality. Basically, that if you look at his chart of QBR or any sort of metric throughout the season, it essentially looks like a shrug emoji. Yeah. Like so many kind of peaks and valleys throughout the year. There seems to be a correlation between home and road. So that favors him this weekend. Obviously, getting to have the Dolphins at home does not favor him potentially having to head to the to Kansas City the next weekend. Right. Also, there seems to be, if you look at it for even just like 0.2 seconds, a little bit of a correlation there between caliber of opponent and performance. Like he had bad games against teams that he didn't need to try as hard against right so I think it's reasonable to assume I mean you saw it in the end of the Ravens game the Ravens game in week at the end of the season was really a microcosm of his entire season right he was really he gave you the ball a couple times yeah and and not in like in bad ways in really bad ways bad throws yeah throwing interceptions to like middle linebackers is bizarre those are just bad reads and bad decisions and then in the fourth quarter he was unstoppable because it was just basically he decided to play better sheer force of will it's the kind of thing that frankly like Flacco can't do he can't just like turn on that switch and say I'm gonna win this game Roethlisberger can he can overcome three quarters of bad play and at the end of the day the thing about that team even with Brian out with the suspension even with a couple other injuries to sort of the secondary role players like Wheaton he has Antonio Brown and he has Le'Veon Bell and that's kind of all that matters like he actually doesn't have to do it all himself this year and the thing that's interesting is especially with one of the things he's most famous for which of course is always just scrambling and running around long enough to avoid pressure being as big as the defensive lineman and being able to just not let them pull him down for the sack he can just just shovel the ball to bell now and never even take that sack it's it's not it's not the like eight second sack that it used to be it's just that it doesn't happen as much anymore. i would argue that he should be better sure because you know, you look at, he's basically in the same situation that Elway was in near the end with the Broncos, with right. Terrell Davis, who, um, for the record, Terrell Davis, a little, little before your time, you're in your late 20s. True, though, right? I'm, I'm married to a Broncos fan, so Terrell Davis get a lot is of the, Davis talk in my household. Like, Weinberger, we were in Weinberger's office there announcing the Hall of Fame finalists, which Weinberger is the only person I know who watches <laughs> the show where they announce the finalists. Yeah. Like, who cares? And tweets about it. Loves so it. excited. She's so into it. And Terrell made it as a finalist. And I'm like, I, I don't understand. How, how is Terrell Davis not in the Hall of Fame? He's the best running back I've ever seen. For those three years, I've never seen anyone better. Gail Sayers is in the Hall of Fame. Gail Sayers played for like two and a half years and then blew out his knee. And everyone's like, go ahead. And then they made Brian's song and he's in the Hall of Fame. But if, And I think he should be in there. But Terrell Davis should be in there. Sure. But anyway, my point is. Elway didn't have the weapons for years and years and years and years. And it was kind of the pre-internet sports bar argument of how good is John Elway as sporting cast. We would argue about that. We would argue about Elway Marino and Barry Sanders versus Emmett Smith. That was like 50 hours of my life in (laughs) bars in the early 1990s. Roethlisberger has a better supporting cast than Elway did near the end there. Yeah. Elway had Shannon Sharp, Terrell Davis, 
McCaffrey, Rod Smith is pretty good. But Roethlisberger has Le'Veon Bell, who is, I would say, either the best or the second best running back in the whole league. Antonio Brown, who's in the top three, and a bunch of fast dudes. Yeah, I mean, Eli Rogers could could end up having 150 receiving yards in this game. You know, there's going to be somebody like Jesse James. He, Roethlisberger is ultimately adept enough in making use of whoever that, like, second or third tier of weapon is. The thing is, like, looking back at his career, he was better when he had, like, when he was throwing to Mike Wallace and, like, handing off to, like, Willie Parker and Rashad Mendenhall. That's bizarre, right? As you're saying, he should actually be elevating finally to that truly elite status. But maybe he's banged up, though. He is. Because I was thinking about that. He's he's had a lot of, no major, major injuries, but a lot of somewhat minor, better than minor, but worse than major injuries. Take a lot of hits. Yeah, the knee thing this year was interesting because he came back bizarrely quickly from that, right? Like, But it wasn't bizarre. We all knew he was going to come back two weeks early. But like, Bizarre be- just because of the recovery, but And that's also just because it was not necessary. Right. Like, take another week or two, heal, come back and be healthy like you could see it again again in the in the Ravens game when he took a couple hits he was limping like he was a little gimpy and maybe that impacts how quickly he's releasing the ball whether he's willing to hold on to it for that extra second to make the spectacular play like that's really what it is it's that there's one or two fewer of those spectacular plays a game from him this yeah. season that you've sort of come to expect and more bad throws Oh, yeah. I, I just think every time I watch the Steelers, he makes three or four throws that are just awful. And yet the amazing thing about this playoffs is like he's basically like the third best quarterback. Like he he's still amazing compared to some of the uh and the I other could totally see him there. I could see him sucking in this Miami game. Yeah, but I think that's okay, right? They can I Might mean be. I like Miami in this game. I know you do. I read the column. But... I like their skill guys. I think and I don't think Matt Moore's bad. I like the team. I like their coach. I'm not sold on Pittsburgh. Yeah, as you know, your team had that game in week 16, and that was a must win. We might be going home if we don't win this game for the Steelers, and they could not stop Joe Flacco. Yeah. He was he was throwing the ball wherever he wanted in the second half. <sighs> Joe Flacco. That's not a good sign for them. I guess. I, I don't know. I just can't. I can't see. I can't see Miami winning this game. Something weird's going to happen this weekend. I think that Matt Moore is honestly better than Ryan Tannehill. Like, I, <laughs> I agree. I, I honestly still, when I think of Ryan Tannehill, the first two things I think of are that he was a wide receiver at Texas A&M. Right. And somehow became a top 10 draft pick at quarterback. And uh, that his entire Hard Knocks like, storyline was basically about his wife being hot. Like, those are his identifying characteristics still that's to a great this point story in his line. career. Yeah, congratulations that's, to him. That's, that's what he's done on the football field nothing to distract that's what, us that's from that. what tate's hard knock storyline that's what he's <laughs> hoping for someday when we do the ringer hard knocks totally totally so roethlisberger can we agree he's not the same anymore i think we can agree but i wouldn't be surprised if he not, came back next year and we said oh it's there's ben again there's ben i wouldn't say he's past his prime but i would say he's on the tail end of it yeah, I guess he just never has like struck me as one of these guys who was going to be fine until 40. Like because of the number of hits he's taken, because yeah. of the the kind of frame and physique. Some of that hard living earlier in his life. A little hard living. Catching up How to about him. the motorcycle accident where he broke his face? Yeah, That's got to count. For sure. And also got knocked out. God knows what happened when he was on The Bachelor, you know. Oh, yeah, I forgot about yeah, that. You never know what happens on the set of that show. Did you forgive me for confusing Miles Garrett and Mitch Trubisky yet? No. And I never will. And I'm surprised Tate is in the same room with you right now. Miles Garrett is like a generational talent. We shouldn't confuse him with anyone. Right. He's incredible. If, so if you he's think not if the, the Brown... first pick in the draft, something has gone terribly wrong. So the Browns just take him. Well, I don't 
I'm not saying that they will, but they clearly should. I mean, he the only other even potential defensible decision is to take Jonathan Allen instead, the other pass rusher who's at that level, the Alabama kid. I mean, these this quarterback class is bad. Like, I, there are a couple really high-ceiling guys who I like. Like, I'm, I'm a big Deshaun Kaiser fan, the Notre Dame quarterback. I like Brad Kaya, the Miami quarterback, a lot. But to take Trubisky, sorry, Tate. I mean, From Ohio, mentor Ohio, Browns fan. This is like, this is, you know what that pick Homecoming. is? Okay, you're embarrassing yourself. That's like the Ponder Gabbert locker pick. That's oh, what that is. You know my cluster theory. This is one of my favorite dumb theories. Absolutely. The QB clusters. I, everyone talks themselves into QBs every year, all the scouts. Of course. And they just compare them to each other. And it's the equivalent of like if you have a bunch of mediocre options on Netflix and right. you talk yourself into one of the movie, you're like, oh, yeah, I'm kind of excited. And then, but yeah, it's mediocre because you have four different mediocre choices. That's, yeah. So you're saying that's this QB class. Yeah, though I do think, I still think that it's. I have not uh, missed one opportunity this season to take a verbal dump on Deshaun Watson on the Ringer University podcast, but I still think that he's the guy who, especially if he has a good national championship showing against Alabama on Monday night, he's the one who scouts will start salivating over and fall in love with. He checks literally every box in terms of the measurables, but he also passes the eye test. Really personable guy, sweet kid. He threw 17 interceptions this season, which is like a lot. That's a lot. That's bad. Sounds like good for the Browns. But, yeah, exactly. He also got his got his team to the championship game two years in a row and was a Heisman finalist two years in a row. And he's the one who's going to have an amazing combine, light it up as, at his pro day, and suddenly someone's going to be trading a ridiculous number of picks to Cleveland to try to get the top pick and take him. That's my prediction. As I said to, um, I think, Cass last week, the draft, I know nothing about college football, but every year they get excited about a quarterback and the guy goes first or second. So I know Miles Garrett's generational talent, He's all that incredible. stuff. But I still feel like a quarterback goes first, and it's the Browns, and they're going to end up with one. They're not going to do the right thing. Here's the only thing that I think saved them from that fate this year. They also have the 12 pick, right? So oh. they can afford to take, to do basically, they can um, afford to do the smart thing. That's kind of an odd way to phrase it, but it's Cleveland. So, you know, they can afford to do the smart thing, take the elite pass rusher, and then at 12, get basically the second or third quarterback because a couple of them will have inexplicably already gone off the board. This so, would be a good ringer piece. The the quarterbacks that go that drop to the 10 to 13 range, just the success rate. Because that's, that's like your Blaine Gabbert kind yeah. of area where <laughs> yeah. it's like it's he's not good enough to go in the top four, but maybe around now let's take a flyer. And those guys usually suck. Of course, though, like that's where like Wentz and Goff should have gone last year, and we'd right. be assessing them completely differently if they had actually gone there. I think we'd be assessing Goff the same. Sure. I mean, the kid doesn't know where the sun rises, quite <laughs> literally. Does not know where the sun rises. Can't believe that guy went to Cal. Makes me reassess Riley McAtee's education, you know? I'd, I've always been dubious of the Cal graduates. I watched the end of the Rose Bowl. I watched the fourth quarter. Incredible. You've been proud of me. I'm so proud. The quarterback, can't he just come out? Why do we have these? It should be like, can't they have a committee where there's like eight people on the committee? Like that year when Clowney should have come out, but he had to stay one more year. There's just a committee and they're like, we're going to bless you. You, You're allowed to come into this draft right now. So here's the incredible thing about that quarterback, Sam Darnold, who everyone should go to the ringer.com. We had a wonderful feature on him last week by uh, former intern, Sam Fortier. It's a great Mm. read. Please check it out. Sam Darnold did not start 
the first three games of USC season, he was the backup. Wow. They started, and then he, he actually lost his first game. They started one and three. Clay Helton almost got fired. And then it was kind of Rodgers-esque. Darnold basically was just like, I got this, and they didn't lose again. Yeah. And he is incredible. He actually was like, this. He, a player like him is like the perfect way to kind of debunk the recruiting system. Like not a five-star recruit, not one of the best guys coming out of high school because he had just missed time to injury and sort of fallen off the recruiting radar. Yeah. I love him. There, it's going to be a classic bowl bounce though where USC is so vastly overrated heading into next season Clemson will lose the title game to Alabama so Alabama will open as the one and then USC will jump Clemson and open as the preseason number two and then immediately disappoint everyone are you going to watch the title game yeah do you want to give everyone your pick you're always wrong what's the line (laughs) you know too much you have too uh, much information. I'm sticking with Alabama. We bet your picks one year in South Stomatia. It's true. I remember that. It was also me telling you to pick Alabama, actually. Um, I, the year they lost. Yeah. I think that this will be a really close game. It was a three-point game last year. It's a rematch. Clemson just annihilated Ohio State in the semifinal in a way that I honestly didn't think was possible. Mm. And... I think there will be an overcorrection as a result of that where people start jumping on the Clemson bandwagon. Alabama, this Alabama defense is arguably the best college football defense of all time, like full stop. And pretty much every player on the defensive side of that team is a first round caliber NFL player. But shouldn't like so when you're in the draft, once you get to the fifth round, shouldn't you just take backups from Alabama at all the skill positions? Absolutely. Like their third string running back is probably Oh my God. I mean, it's probably incredible. So that's literally what happened last week against Washington. The best player in the game by far was Bo Scarborough. He was unstoppable. He averaged like almost 10 yards per carry. What a great two touchdowns. Man. It's incredible. Bo Scarborough. He was incredible. fourth on the team in rushing this year behind wow. the quarterback. It's exact. I mean, they just have so much depth. That well, who's they can the just guy who's their, what to do. the guy behind Derrick Henry last year who's in the NFL who's good this year? Yeldon. Yeah. Oh, you're talking. You're talking about Drake, Kenyon Drake. Yeah, Yeldon was the year before. Lombardi and I were just yeah. talking about him. I like that guy. Oh, I love Kenyon. I think Drake. he's good. Yeah, and he wasn't. He, and he was like a what was he like a third down back for he, them? He he and and a kick returner. He had a broken leg that kind of took him out of of the the set there last year. But they're incredible. I mean, they just it's, they're starting a true freshman quarterback, which Saban has never never done. That's kind of the only way this goes wrong I think I mean Deshaun Watson had basically the best game of his life last year against them and they still lost so Jonathan Allen Ryan Anderson Tim Williams Reuben Foster those guys are better pass rushers than like about 12 NFL teams have Mm. so Watson already has a propensity for turnovers and Clemson has a propensity for for penalties so if those guys are pressuring him and in his face all day I don't know. I think it'll be close, but I don't see. It. I really can't see Alabama losing. I'm sticking with it. Saving. Okay. You know so he'll tie. I'll he'll tie Bear way. Bryant if he wins this. He's a coward. He left the NFL. Okay, that's a great opinion. He's a coward. He's <laughs> a coward. He needs this fuel. Champions he, never sleep. My the doll. You want to compete against the best. Yeah. The best. The best coaches aren't in college football. They're in professional football. And he had a chance to go head to head against Bill Belichick, the greatest coach of all time. He didn't get the quarterback he wanted in Miami. And like a coward, he went back to college. I love it. Where he stays, where he can just beat up on all these inferior college coaches. Congratulations. Congratulations. He's the guy who plays Madden and is in the rookie level winning the Super Bowl and going, oh, I won the Super Bowl getting Madden. You know what feeling those people have every day? What? 
joy. And you know what he has on top of that? Seven million dollars a year. Great. Yeah. Come to the NFL. Let's see how good of a coach you are, Nick Saban. He is living literally the best life. He gets paid more than anybody else in his profession Great. to win every single year. He's going to go down as the best at the thing he's done. Better than literally anybody else. When he plays golf, else. does he play from the pink tees? I, I think he might be too short to play golf. He's the same size as like a little putter. I don't know if he can get out there in the Nick links. Saban, come to the NFL. Let's see how good you are. I'm really curious. Nick Saban, stay at Alabama oh, I forever. Know. I Keep dominating. I need to get Drew Brees at Miami. I got him going back to college. <laughs> I'm just going to cherry pick all the best high school recruits on the planet because I'm the Alabama coach. He has better players in Alabama than with the Browns. Great. How, what's fun about that? All right, you have to go. You have to do the yes. uh, Ringer University podcast. Yes. Mallory Rubin, as always, a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Our friends at Squarespace make it easy to build beautiful websites, whether you're planning to start a business, change careers, or launch a creative project in the new year of 2017. Tackle your next move with Squarespace, widely used by all kinds of people and businesses. Squarespace gives you the ability to create an online platform with which you can make your latest goals into a reality. Squarespace offers a unique domain experience that is fully transparent and simple to set up add and arrange your content and features with the click of a mouse there's nothing to install patch or upgrade not ever and squarespace's award-winning 24 7 customer support will help you no matter how hard or easy your problem may be start a free trial today at squarespace.com use offer code bs to get 10 percent off your first purchase squarespace make your next move make your next website all right, last but not least, the Friday Pod Joe House, the worst gambler in America. America is Just hinging. Just for 2016. America is, is, is on pins and needles waiting for your terrible football picks so they can go against them. I can't wait to find out who you're picking. Uh, I'm just telling you right now, I'm not telling you who I'm doubling on. We are going head-to-head in our picks pool, the ZFL. I was the one seed. You're the eight seed. Four picks. I have the hammer. I have the tiebreaker. And... You have to beat me. You have to have a better record than me. I'm already on the record with my picks. I'm not changing them either. I have Seattle minus eight. I have the Dolphins plus 10. I have uh, the Giants plus four and a half. And I have the Raiders plus four. So those are my picks. So you can do what you want. Put your stink on, on any game you want. I'm just telling you that's who I picked. What's your favorite game this week? My favorite game is uh, one I fear is everybody's favorite game, which is Seattle. Yeah. Um, minus eight against Detroit. The evidence documenting the difference in poor Maddie Stafford's performance since the injury is just too overwhelming and compelling. Wow. I mean, you just this can't is, talk yourself into it. This is the best news for the Lions that they've had all week is that you like the Seahawks. <laughs> this is great. This might be a Detroit free well, look, press column. House likes the Seahawks. A couple a couple weeks ago, I took Detroit um, to help you and the Cuz against Dallas, and that that was you know that it it didn't work. They you know Dallas, well actually it did work in the sense that Dallas kicked their ass. Well, you did it but last it's just week. A different you, Detroit team. You who'd you do last week? You put the stink on the, the Giants, uh, of course. I took the Giants. That you, was a ridiculous. Yeah, but line. you actually that but you actually won the won the bet, and but the Redskins didn't win. <laughs> yeah. Should we talk about your Redskins really quick, even though it's yesterday's news at this point? I mean, it was I'm everything. Happy to do it, sure. Just very quickly, it was everything you ever could have expected from a Redskins Week 17 collapse. It left everybody in Washington limp and unhappy and just um, trudging through the cold winter. 
this is what being a Washington sports fan is like. Why don't the Washington DC sports fans get more credit for, for just being tormented? I don't get it. Well, some of it is because um, we have teams either in the playoffs or around the playoffs. Uh, you know, in the last 10 years, every one of the four major teams here have been in the playoffs. There just hasn't been any playoff success. So you can't really, you know, say that it's been uh, an unprecedented run of, of stinkitude. But that's the thing is but, you've, you know, been, you've seems- lingered. You've lingered around and the, the hint of maybe good things happening and then you just get kicked in the balls. That's the point I was just going to make. That's it. I mean, every moment it looks like we might turn a corner, this could be the year. It's another gut-wrenching, you know, you can't invent the ways that the Nats have lost the last couple times they were in the playoffs. I mean, you know, Kershaw coming in and closing the door uh, in Game 5, and the the Caps, you know, failing to show up once again, the annual tradition in the spring of of the Caps. And that Caps team I really believed in. I uh, I had put my money where my mouth was for them to actually make it to the Eastern Conference Finals last season, two 2016, and they were on a great run. But um, yeah, that's that's the the prevailing dynamic here. We, we're it's... we're right on the edge, and and the, that really applies to this Washington football team. It was it, coming into the season. You know, you look at at, at uh, the personnel. It looked like the stealing was kind of a nine-win team. And you know what? They kind of hit that ceiling, right? They were they were right around there because they have a, a an extraordinary receiving core, a quarterback who had showed glimpses coming into the season of being able to really click with that receiving core, but a uh, you know um, way below average defense, and so that's like an eight and eight or nine and seven team, and that's exactly who they were. It just had to take on the added nut kicking benefit and bonus of getting into Week 17 with the playoffs on the line against a team that didn't really much have uh, incentive to do anything, and they came in and beat our ass here in Washington. I mean, I don't need that. Why couldn't they just be mediocre and and miss out on all of it? When we were in college, you believed in women you probably shouldn't believe in, and now that's transferred to all of your sports teams. I I just think (laughs) it's it's been a lifelong story. What do you want me to say? (laughs) Falcons versus Patriots was my favorite Super Bowl matchup bet. And it was like plus nine fifty, and is now five to one. Giants Pats is plus thirteen fifty. Basically, what's happened is Vegas has figured out all of the possible good value bets that we might have, and they just lower the lines, and they've made gambling less fun. And I really resent them for it. Plus thirteen fifty seems okay. What's wrong with that? That's a little better than ten to one. Yeah, but at that point, even if you were just betting the Giants money line for Every game okay. they play, you could you, you yeah. just bet them one game at a time, and you're better off doing that. Yeah, they've ruined. Well, they, guess what? They've ruined I, futures. Yeah, I'm going to do that. Yeah, that you're absolutely right. That's those are bad odds for for a future. Betting the money money line is the way to do it. Uh, I'm betting that Giants money line this week. But I mean, if you're going to bet Cowboys Dolphins at 130 to one, now you're talking about some value. Um. <laughs> Hey, quick! I want to talk two NBA things really quick with you. Kyle Korver to the Cavs for for nothing. So what the fuck are you you doing, Atlanta? By the way, you put Kyle Korver on the no. It's for a first round draft pick. That's not nothing. They're they're clearly moving towards a rebuild. 
Huh? Yeah, but it's 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 Cleveland's 2019 first round draft pick. They have LeBron James, Kyrie Irving, and Kevin Love on their team. Congratulations! You just got the 28th you pick know three this. years from uh, now. It's ridiculous. Uh, under the current collective bargaining agreement, every single first round it. pick has value. It's I can't believe they have to they have to take Mo Williams' dead body. They have to do that's uh, fair. They have to take Dunleavy, who's done two years ago. And Where's I, Dunleavy going? I, I know a place he, he should land. We, we could use some, some NBA-caliber talent here in Washington. I, I, I wonder that, that if, if he gets released. Yeah, but I mean, you Hawks have to remember, the, run at him. the reason the Cavs made that trade was because he, Dunleavy was <laughs> playing terribly, so they had to get Kyle Korver to get all yeah, the minutes that they are going to give he's him. He's done Levy. Yeah, he's done. I, I I'm mad it. at the Warriors. I feel like the Warriors could have trumped that Cavs trade. And I think Corver would have you been awesome it. for them. I, I really, I, I thought you said th- it on the on the pod last week. I said Livingston for Corver, but I mean, if if the going rate was what Cleveland gave up, they could have gotten him for Patrick McCaw and whatever. Like I, I just feel like they could have trumped that. That was a really important. I don't think the Warriors should make a trade. I'm on the other. I think side they need one I, more I shooter. I don't think the Warriors should do a thing. I don't think that at all. If I were them, I would trade Livingston and give his minutes to Ian Clark and try to get one more shooter because I think Ian Clark's good. I've, th- I've thought that for two years. I don't think you – you have to remember what the Warriors are playing for. This this regular season is just an exercise in you know managing to, to get to April and trying to get there as healthy as possible. Mm. And, and that is the moment when Livingston is important to them. Oh, he is a crucial – Hey, eh. go ahead. I, I don't know. I think Durant. I think Durant is their backup point guard now, even though he's seven That's feet. That's fine. This, this, this is he is their backup point guard. He's their starting point guard. He can you know play whatever position he wants. He brings the, the ball up whatever percentage of times he does. You need guys like Livingston in the playoffs. That's when he really counts. You can't rely on Ian Clark in the playoffs. And where was Houston? How's Houston not get Kyle Korver? Where do they think Eric Gordon and Ryan Anderson are going to play a hundred games each? Eric Gordon beat the hell out of my Eric Washington Gordon's professional good. basketball team this week. I feel he so is, vindicated. He, 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 I, I was going to those he's games. Rejuvenated. I was going to those clip games in 08, 09, and 2010, and I just thought that guy was re- going to be really good. And I remember I went to a Laker game, and I think I might have written about it at the time, when he just went toe-to-toe with Kobe when Kobe was still Kobe. And, you know, what they used to do was – Kind of the model of what Houston has now when Harden comes out of the game and Eric Gordon comes in and kind of runs their offense as the point shooting guard. That's what the Clippers, that's how they used to use him. And he just torched the Lakers in this one game. I was like, Jesus, that guy's going to be the best two guard in the league. And then he goes to New Orleans. It's a shit show. Poorly run. Everybody's hurt all the time. He's got to play with Tariq Evans. There's no home crowd. Like, they... You could see why he was a candidate for juvenation, but man, they they got him for three years, forty five. Like Al Crab went for eighty. Well, let me say this: it's better to be lucky than good, right? That that's exactly how Daryl does this. He he takes a gamble on some guys, and some guys pan out, and some guys don't. Um, that was a great. Did you gamble. watch last night? I did. I did. I, yeah, last night was things- last night was an unbelievable TV night because it had. That Rockets game, which was just Westbrook was like kind of, eh, is he? and then all of a sudden, boom, he turned into Superman. And then right afterwards was that gold medal USA Canada World Junior Hockey game, which was just out of its mind. Did you see that? 
I, I turned on uh, when it came to the shootout. So oh, the overtime was. I wasn't like, paying attention to the Twitter. Oh, the overtime had like 15 almost goals. It was one of those overtimes where it was like, how did nobody oh. score in that overtime? It was. And we had some good guys on our team, the USA team. And Popeye Jones has another son who plays hockey at a high level. Did you know this? I did not know. Caleb this is the Jones. Very first I'm hearing of this. Yeah, he's Popeye huh. Jones is going to have two I NHL stars. But uh, but yeah, Westbrook, and uh, I mean, it's just impossible not to watch that game and think of the fact that Westbrook, Harden, and Durant were on the same team. It was unbelievable when they traded Harden in 2012, and it's. I, I really honestly feel like a hundred years from now, people are going to be reading basketball books and going, "What? They traded James Harden? Huh? They they I, had the it, three best players of the 2017 season all on the same team? What?" Actually, uh, I I, two, three of the four. I didn't want to diss LeBron there. Sorry, LeBron. Two things to ask you about that are like non-mainstream media uh, observations. The first is Ryan Anderson. Yep. Why Why does he shoot from two steps inside the half-court line? He, he takes the longest threes of anybody other than Steph Curry, and he hits the front rim. I've watched. I watched him twice this week. I watched him against Washington, and I watched last night's game. You what make is he doing? Laugh. What's Ryan Anderson doing? That's my question. That's a good good first question. I liked it. Uh, I don't my know. My second question is: <laughs> I mean, do you agree? Did you watch that? Uh, do, do, is that your observation as well? He should move in two feet. I, I'm with you. Two feet. Yeah. It's still a three. Yeah. I'm with you. I mean, he really he wants to be that open. That he just he needs to be that unobstructed. He He's still six seven, six eight. He's tall enough to shoot over most guys. He likes his personal space. Uh, the other thing I observed: uh, if you had offered me, uh, you know, the opportunity to wager on Nene going to the free throw line with point seven tenths of a second left uh, to to decide that game, I would have bet um, no less than a thousand dollars that he would have missed at least one of two. <laughs> um, Based on on years of 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 Being observing Nene, yeah, but e- e- equally compelling, stunning, hard on the eyes—not hard on the eyes, just confusing—is the better word. What the hell happened to Nene? He looks like a track runner. He got his in, body got has shape. dramatically changed in eight and a half months. It's 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 he's eating better. Maybe he's gluten free. He was. There's not a lot of gluten here in Washington. There are a ton of gluten-free options here. I think that uh, I think that Rockets team is one trade away from really being a dangerous playoff team, like really dangerous, like like go like beating Golden State in this series, kind of dangerous. They need one who more shooter. Up, was it Jason? Who wrote up your? Um... The ringer column today that I, I immediately saved for later, which is the, the inevitable Spurs Rockets matchup. I think they could beat the. I, I that's such a bad matchup for the Spurs. That, I agree. One of your writers did a treatment on it that I can't wait to read. Oh, um, there, there's another column that's on the ringer today that is maybe the all time Joe House column that's ever been written by anybody at Grantland or the ringer by Jason Concepcion. Um, Tackling the urban legend that Paul Pierce shit himself in the 2010 finals when he had to come off with the wheelchair. That that's why they used the wheelchair. I saved that. I said that's my that's my weekend read. I cracked it open and started reading. I was like, no, 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 no. I can't. I have to savor this. It's this needs speaking of of bathrooms. 
uh, I need, I need, that's a column that I need to be uninterrupted. It needs to be quiet. I just need to be able to focus. I can't believe how much fun and awesome this basketball season has been. And I think especially NBA Twitter has a tendency to just be all exclamation points and shrieking and everybody, it's so great. But I just, I can't believe night after night how many good players there are. You know, like Isaiah Thomas has been just having an outer body experience for three weeks now as a point guard. He's he's basically been possessed by the spirit of Allen Iverson and Tiny Archibald together. And he gets to wherever he wants in the paint. He shoots threes. He makes layups. He had 29 points against Miami in the fourth quarter last week. It was the greatest quarter any Celtic has ever had in the history of the franchise. Just routinely ripped it off. 29 points. He, he is becoming a dominant offensive player. And you wouldn't even put him in one of the as one of the top ten best offensive players in the league. The league's just loaded. It's like every night. It's like oh, oh, this game will be fun. I'll put this on and it'll deliver. You know, like Milwaukee and the Knicks. Like oh, this will be fun. Giannis at MSG. The game's fucking amazing. Giannis makes the game winner. I, I just can't get over how good the league is. It's really crazy. Thumbs well, up. I, I wonder how much. I haven't had the time to see if anybody's done this deep dive. I'm sure. Um, I'm sure this. You know, somebody's done it. L- likening this current season, this iteration of the style of game to that to the mid '80s, what we all regard as kind of really the high, the the, um, the high point for the league. Uh, well, you like know what? Eighty four to eighty eight, or eighty three to eighty nine. But the, here's the thing: the high point for the league was actually ninety one and ninety three. People always think Bird Magic '80s, but it's actually. If you go 91, 92, 93, if any of those games are ever on Hardwood Classics on NBA, you know it's going to be a great game. Because that's when you had, you know, you had the, the, the Mullen Warriors team is in there. You have the Celtics were still really fun with Reggie Lewis and those guys. But then you had the Bulls, you had the Pistons, you had the Knicks, you had the Lakers. You had young Shaq is in there at that point. You know, you had the Seattle Kemp and Payton team. To, I, I mean, it's it's really simple to say this, but it's just about talent and the league has, well, the, the league the ebbs and flows with the talent. And that was the best talent run we've had until now. It's been 24 years since we've yeah. had this much talent. I totally agree. The The reason I cited the era that I mentioned is because that's when I think like pace wise, this is oh, the yeah, correlation yeah, right. that I'm yeah, yeah, yeah. The 80, 83, of, 84 of offense favored basketball. Yes. Yes. And and you know the, the the refs calling the game a certain way, like the, removing the hand check uh, and removing the Mark Jackson five second back down, and you know the way that the game um, now favors um, shooting and and offense to the detriment of of, of defense. It, it's it's a very enjoyable brand of basketball, and I think that's as much as anything what what informs. You know, the, we I love games where teams are scoring 140 points. I love I love seeing 70 point first halves. It's well, just much the, more enjoyable basketball to me. In the 80s, we had uh, basically guys didn't play defense, and you also had right. You know, let's be honest too many too many white guys in the perimeter spots. You had like Kelly Chapuka trying to guard Larry Bird. You had unathletic white guys in really Kent Benson Kiki trying to Vandaway guard Kevin McHale. Kiki Vandaway could have guarded anybody. You had a lot of guys who just couldn't guard anybody. Now you have, you know, just across the board, the athleticism is 
the best it's ever been. And guys actually trying to play defense. And yet the offense has gone up another level. And it's really because, you know, everybody's playing small. It's so funny to hear yeah, people exactly. like, oh, why are we it's having fun. all these 50-point games? Oh, why are there so many triple-doubles? It's because it's fucking small ball all the time. Like, Isaiah Thomas can score 29 points in a quarter because he's going against a team that has Hassan Whiteside and, like, four guards, you know? In the 80s, yeah, you had Mikhail and Parrish standing there waiting for Isaiah Thomas. He wasn't getting 29 in a quarter. I promise you that. Teams are embracing pace, which is just just great on the eyes. Well, what's funny is, you know, I don't. If you take those eighty teams, those '80s teams, and you played big guys like they did back then, the shooting and the creativity would eventually force those coaches to have to take out one of the guys. I mean, Mikhail was an outlier, but I don't think you could play Lambeer and Mahorn against like the Rockets. They would just spread everyone out and shoot threes. You'd have to take one of them out. So, it you know, it's it's the spacing and the shooting and the slash and kick. Remember when, remember when, uh, I can't remember if you did the bet too, but when we bet on Argentina in 04 in the Olympics. Oh, that was you and me, brother. 7 yeah, to yeah. 1. Um, no, it was 10 to 1. Or 8 to 1. No, it was 10 to 1. Yeah, it was, it was, it was good odds. But remember we're watching basketball and going, these guys are doing this better than us. We have so much yep. more talent than them, and we just, it's all one on one. And these guys have figured out how to use their teammates and slash and kick. Why don't we play like this? That was our big takeaway from that Olympics. And over the course of the next 12 years, that's how everyone plays now, you know? And you take like a team like the Celtics that was like, oh, how do you win a title without a superstar? Well, Offensively, Isaiah is pretty much a superstar at this point with what with the way he plays and the way the rules are now and his ability to get into the lane and shoot threes. All you need is one guy who can do that and you're, you're going to be able to compete. You have John Wall. That's what he does. If you don't have a guy like that, you're fucked. That's that's my that's big takeaway from this season. If you don't that's have a, that one guy who can... That's a great observation. Yeah, you just you need one guy who can who can shoot and get into the paint. And if you don't have that guy, you can't hang with any of these teams. Giannis, by the way, holy Jesus, we have to. Oh my God, that's a whole nother thing. It's a whole yeah. nother. But we have to go. So you like Seattle the most? I like Seattle the most. I also really like Pittsburgh. Okay. I know you have a different point Great. of view, okay. but we're, take them. We're, go. We'll be able to sort all this out when we make our picks uh, uh, over the weekend. I don't know if I want the house. It's stink. 2017. The stink streak is officially over. I don't want the house stink. New year, house new stink. Joe house. Here we go. Thanks to Stamps.com. Avoid the post office during the holidays. Buy and print official U.S. postage with your own computer and printer. Sign up for Stamps.com. Use the promo code BS for a four-week trial, plus a $110 bonus offer that includes postage and a digital scale. Click on the microphone at the top of the Stamps.com Stamps.com homepage. Type in BS. Thanks to Simply Safe, double down on your home protection with Simply Safe Home Security's biggest New Year's sale ever. $200 off the Defender package that Simply Safe's best selling security system of 2016. No long term contract, no hidden fees. Visit simplysafebs.com today to get your $200 off. Hurry, the sale ends soon. When is, uh, when is your golf podcast come back? We're targeting uh, the, the end of January, Tiger's first event. Uh, domestically here. Um, Tory Pines, I don't remember who the sponsor is right now. Okay. End of January. 
Yeah. Okay, so Tiger, we think he's the going... The return of the Shaq. And we think Tiger is going to play golf all year. He has committed to five events, four domestic, uh, at least maybe six events, five domestic, but um, all big, big-time tournaments. Okay. And he's playing like four tournaments in five weeks at one stretch here early in the season. So it looks like he's, he's gearing up for a, the real deal holy field. Thanks to Pearl Jam. Thanks to SeatGeek, our buddies. We're, we're, we're working on some stuff with SeatGeek for 2017 to make it uh, a little more fun for you guys to buy tickets for sporting events and music on the interwebs and on apps. Joe House, I will be texting you over the weekend and mocking you as I destroy you in the ZFL. We'll talk to you next week. You're going to be so mad when I beat you. I'm going to beat your ass. Let's play us, play us out, Eddie. <laughs>